Hey, I'm Pat B. I'm just Johnny. I'm Lilith Beast. And this is the Geek Down on WEMF Radio. Leaping forward bionically. Ah, oh, there it is, my friend. There it is. Let me feel it. Bob with me. Bob with me. Ah, uh, truck. Tom, oh, even Tom's in. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I get. I'm talking. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Sorry. Professionalism first. I apologize. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Geek Down here on WEMF. I am at B. On the side of me, I look to my man who's focused. Here. Deep. Deep. The screens. I'm in the zone. <laughs> it's dark over here, but I'm in the zone. We need to get you like a hacker man mullet going on. Yes, please. <laughs> oh, man. Talking about just Johnny. Yep. Hey. And on the other side, we have the beast from the east. What's up, all my Halloween people? How you doing? Hey, little beast. Welcome back. <laughs> so glad to be here. Well, glad to have you. We have some awesome stuff lined up for you tonight, kids. I can't wait to get up in the, the grid of stuff. First, I gotta pay respect to the man that keeps us sounding crisp and delicious every week. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. I'm talking about Tampico Tom. Yeah. Woo! I'm giving myself a drum roll there in, in anticipation. It. You can't do that. This is the mic quality. You got like cables over there and stuff. You bop the <laughs> microphones back and forth. All people here is like <laughs> at home. Yeah. Smack the mic. Nah, it's all good, man. You know, you are entitled to your mirth and gaiety, sir. And I'll tell you why, because we have an awesome, fun-filled show lined up for you. Man, we got the inside stuff on the Boston Festival of Indie Games. B-Fig? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We were there in the house, and we're going to let you know all the good stuff that was seen. We also got to check out the house with the clock on its walls. In its walls. <laughs> There's a lot of lot of words in that. There is. It, it's just a very verbose title. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly what the intent was. Eight words. Oh. Eight words. Yep. None of them catchy. No. Nope. Yes. I feel like they're like people will really understand what we're talking about, and I think everyone was just like, "No, this is this is far too much." So in the logo, they have house clock walls mm-hmm. as like quadruple size the letters of the with a in it. Mm. So they should just call it house clock walls, and that would probably be a better title. Yeah, that, that would be much worse actually. No, the others are like interjections. <laughs> though, man. Remember your schoolhouse rock. Yeah. Uh, okay, I lost so many viewers. I am old as. F- Anyways, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, also. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. Tom, have my back. Tiger Bomb Tom on the job. All right. So, rounding out this trio of goodness, we have Maniac. It's a new project from Jonah Hill and Emma Stone. Now, I remember these two from, mm. um, from Superbad. Yeah. Many, many years ago. And I felt like this was kind of like coming full circle. I agree. Mm-hmm. They were such a dynamic duo in that movie. And, and they were such uh, great characters that played off of each other. Mm-hmm. And in this one, it's completely different. You see how much each of them has grown individually as actors. Mm-hmm. And you get to see this totally different side of them. Yeah, the world beat him down. And now one's gone crazy. The other one's addicted <laughs> to drugs. You know, it's a rough life. It's hard. <laughs> No, 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 no. It's a, it's, a, it's a very interesting show on Netflix now, and we'll give the inside stuff. But first, man, I want to talk about uh, the house with a clock in its walls, because I got to check this out. Johnny, did you? I was moving a house. Yeah, with- sure. Right. No dedication. No dedication. You hear this. No, but uh, Lilith, you were in the house for this. I did. I saw this movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, it wasn't... It wasn't quite as uh, scary as I maybe wanted it to be, but it was very family-friendly spooky. Wait, and I saw always... Jack Black 
and Kate Blanchett and you thought like horror fair? Well, I thought it would be like any kind of Halloween type affair. There might be some kind of spook. Yeah, like, and there were scenes that I think were intended to be scary for five-year-olds mm-hmm. and probably was quite scary. But for me, I was like, this is silly. I could do less with this. Let's talk more about that tattoo on Kate Blanchett's arm. <laughs> no, no, no. You're right. Um, it does have a, a, a sense of, um, I don't even know. It, it seemed like... A movie that didn't quite know what its target audience was because yes. it was parts of it were like really spooky, mm-hmm. uh, almost unnecessarily so. Some of it was a little too cutesy, a little too kitty, yes, uh, for me. And the little, the little, little, little snot nose uh, uh, brat that, that was. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. The, uh, the lead child in this just bugged the crap out of me. <laughs> and he's one of these kids where it's like you. I remember like the Sandlot. And oh. movies like Super 8, where you have like this ragtag band of kids who, who, you know, coming together and getting some wild adventures. And he would be the neighborhood kid they would leave to. He, he, he's one of the kids Tom Sawyer tricks into painting the fence. Yeah. Okay. Th- that's, that's, who, that's who this is. And he is happy to do it. He just wants to be involved. Yeah. You know, he's got his goggles, mm-hmm. but not like cool goggles. No. You know, uh, he's they're not little he, steampunk goggles. They're, they're just, it's just a bad situation. He can't win. You know, someone's mm-hmm. tying his shoelaces together. <laughs> so that to counteract that, he started wearing loafers, puts a penny in them. <laughs> I, I'm like, the, the, it, it, it's, not even, it's not even like the kid can't win. He's not Charlie Brown. He's actively, you know, uh, sabotaging himself. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. I thought the actor did a fine job. He wasn't himself annoying because sometimes they're just child actors that you can't stand staring at them at all. <laughs> all right, uh, but Lilith, I think he did well. His character was very annoying, though. Yes, yes, he was. And then we got to follow him in his exploits for this entire daggone picture. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, okay, just break down the actual story of the house with the clock in its walls. Uh, it stars a little boy whose parents are unfortunately taken from him at a very young age. So he's sent to live with his really eccentric uncle. No one knows much about them, about uh, the uncle or his live-in neighbor. She's te- she technically lives next door, but she's always at his house. Mm-hmm. That she she lives there. That's just a thing. <laughs> and they go out of their way to say, even when the kid implies, "Oh yeah, no, your your neighbor, your friend is here." I get it. Wink, wink. He, they just look at him like, no. No, no, that's not it. It's plot. What, what's wrong with you? <laughs> How dare you imply this? Yeah. And I'm just there in the in the audience like, you know what? Any other situation? Yeah, but I really don't like this kid. So I'm against him at every turn. <laughs> and I was biased. I admit it. I'm, you know, it's, it's, I'm aware of this foible. I can work on it later. Right now, forget that kid. But <laughs> uh, no, they set up a strong friendship between uh, Jack Black and, Clay- and Kate Blanchett. I thought that was um, really good uh, to present that relationship as a strong bond that they have through mutual respect for each other. And uh, I guess mild spoiler, it's like it's not all over the commercial. They're magicians, they're sorcerers, they're warlocks and witches and stuff. They exist in a world of magic and the house does all this like cool, weird stuff. The house is sentient, mm-hmm. you know, and I love that part. One thing that I really noticed too, this movie had all the money in the world. Like the budget <laughs> for this was stupid. The effects were insane. The props were Gorgeous yes. costumes were just, mm. and they really made it look like this weird adaptation of uh, of the 1950s. Yes, absolutely. And to go back to something you said about Kate uh, Blanchett and Jack Black, whenever they were on screen, I just lost myself 
in them because they were they were so charismatic together mm -hmm. and such a good duo. Yeah, they got good chemistry, man. Um, I, I was actually kind of surprised by that because I watch a lot of, well, I watch a lot of movies in general, but I watch a lot of stuff with uh, Jack Black and he's always like very amusing, kind of spastic sometimes. Uh, I've seen him do more sympathetic stuff, but I've never really put him on the same plateau as Kate Blanchett, who can do comedy, she can do action, she can do mm -hmm. drama. And I'm not saying he's a bad actor, I'm just saying they don't seem to have like styles that mesh very well. At least not we're going on in in uh, in, uh, in my uh, in my um, head cannon there. <laughs> no. And they played off they played it off each other pretty well. Yes. Yeah. So that was uh, that was surprising. Okay. So now you know what it's about and uh, how we felt about the actors. Tell me what your interpretation was of the story, the house with the clock in its wall. Um. Let's see. So the story follows this kid as he. Um, he's obnoxious little sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> he's he's a very pretentious little boy his hobby is uh, learning words from the dictionary so by all means when he gets bullied you expect it and you <laughs> you understand why it's um, like you know what kid i want to be on your side you're not uh, making it easy no he doesn't make it easy at all so he's trying to make friends and he makes one and the kid, I had a really hard time trusting him because he is actually the star of Jonah Hill's movie uh, Mid-90s. Yes, And yes. the whole time I was just like, why does this kid seem like such a little rat? <laughs> All so, right, well that's, okay, you can't be biased on the concept of, of the way he looks. True, true. There are so many more reasons he presents to be biased against him. True. Yeah, and you know what, what, what was very unfortunate? This whole time I was like, oh, okay, so... This will be the um, this will be the Benny Rodriguez. Just to go back to a uh, Sandlot reference, this will be uh. the the cool kid that ushers in our protagonist. To, ah, okay, you're you're a, you're a good enough guy. Let me give you some pointers so as you don't get your butt kicked every day. Yeah. you know, quick some quick advice, and I'll hang out with you. <laughs> you know, and I'll show you the ropes. And apparently, from this kid's point of view, it was I'll show you the ropes, and then I'll hang you from them. <laughs> you know, it was it was kind of like a it was kind of like a gut punch when I'm like, okay, we have our decent character in this school of apparently complete a holes that treat this new kid like complete crap. Yeah, yeah. I thought he I thought he had a friend, and then you know that relationship turned sour real quick. It did, and I thought it was very believable. Once again, the thing that I was really surprised Wait, about you that was believable. Wow, little well, who hurt you? <laughs> Into some dark stuff, you know. It got real once. Okay, okay. I love any story where, like, you see kids and, and their relationships, and they they take it a little bit further. They kind of show you what these characters are like when uh, when adults aren't in the room. Mm -hmm. So there are parts where this this new friend is treating him like crap, and he's trying so hard to to maintain that friendship, and he keeps pushing him away because um, you kind of find out through the movie when he first uh when they first meet each other this cool kid has a cast on his arm so you find out that he's kind of not able to be hanging out with his normal friends because they're all on the football team they're all doing stuff and he's kind of stuck by himself yeah so he hangs out with the main kid and they become you assume friends and then assume you assume, you assume and as soon as that cast comes off he's done he's ready to move on yeah that bugged the crap out of me. I'm like, dude, you hung out with this kid and it couldn't have all been subterfuge. Y'all shared like laughs, you know, <laughs> snacks. There had to be some good times in there at some point, you know, what was real? <laughs> I just don't know anymore. Um, but that dynamic, I don't, I don't know, maybe that made it a little too real for me. I think back okay. uh, when I started at new schools and if I ever had a relationship like that, um, maybe I was 
maybe I was the victimized kid or maybe I was the kid doing the victim, the victimization there. I don't know. And I'd like to think, no, no, I always had had everyone's back. I was there <laughs> when no one else was. I picked them up from the mud and throws them. To, but they're little kids mm -hmm. and kids don't have that sense of like logic and decency that we'd like to project on them. Well, all I can say to that is believe girls. Because there is a, a young girl character and she kind of sees through some of this stuff. And we come back to her a couple of times. I really liked her. I wish there was a little bit more of her in the film. Mm, that's, that, that's, that's, that's true. Um, I think maybe they were too fixated on uh, the magic with our protagonist and then the yeah. whole backstory with the third warlock in this that's spoken about but not really like presented with any kind of personality he's just evil and mm -hmm. legendary and gone and back and then evil and i think if was, he had been anyone besides kyle mclaughlin i would have lost interest immediately but i love kyle mclaughlin so much a, that a, i was a, like a, oh it's, a, it's the twin peaks connection I, oh yeah I, I get it. Right. Right. for me it's showgirls that was the, that was yeah. the, the beacon of snub for the oscar i i still no can't stand um, no, I, I've never really had any uh, special attachment attachment to Kyle McLaughlin. I just McLaughlin, McLaughlin. That's correct. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I've seen him do good stuff, and I've seen him do crap. So he's just one of those actors where it really comes down to the writing for me. Okay. And this, I thought they used him as more of like they tried to make him a more legendary figure, and I've seen that done mm -hmm. um, poorly in other works. Uh, uh, I think uh, Agents of Shield is the best example mm. because Agents, yeah. Um, he was uh, Daisy's father. If anyone watched Agents, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they paint him as this character who, not, not paint him, they present him. He's cast as this character who's uh, some hot stuff in the Marvel Universe. In the show, when they bring him about, oh, man, he's he's legendary. He's that guy. You, know, you don't want to mess with that. You know, oh, man, well, you know, you're going to see him and stuff. And they give him a big forehead, and he's like <laughs> this shell-shocked weirdo who, it's it's... It's one big like fake out. And I felt this movie presented him in a role that he wasn't ready. Or at least, no, 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 I, I, I take that back. He was ready. I wasn't ready to buy him mm, as, yeah. as the big bad villain. I agree. I think that in general, it, this is kind of a classic case of where they try to take a book and turn it into a movie. And there's just, there's so much more plot that they then they can fit in there and yeah. so you end up with these characters that are built up to be this like big super evil guy but you only have an hour and a half you just can't possibly build them up at the same time as doing all of these other things mm -hmm. that's the thing that most people don't know too this was based off of a uh, 1970s um young adult novel um the house with the clock in its walls which may have influenced like a lot of other works i uh, i heard uh jk rowling's name ca uh, called out a few times oh. online and uh, i think even tim burton uh, the design in this was like very old school like creepy yeah you know, uh, i forget the artist uh, i was trying to look it up here real quick all slick and stuff and then <laughs> kind of got mired in the uh, facebook notes but it's one of those situations where um there's a lot of cool stuff we've seen over the years that can be traced back to this story and I think it ran into kind of like a John Carter of Mars situation, if you mm. know uh, what I mean by that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if anyone doesn't, a few years ago, a movie John Carter was released to theaters and it was a Disney production, had like tons of budget and no one really knew what to really make of it because they advertised it really poorly. It's uh -huh. based off of the John Carter of Mars 
book series, which is this really old, old, old school uh, book series that was very popular and influenced uh, just generations of books that were similar. And I feel like Disney thought everyone's just automatically familiar with these books because they've been around for so long. Yes, of course, you know, John Carter of Mars, right? <laughs> We're going to release a movie. And yep. they didn't even call it John Carter of Mars. They just called it John Carter. And everyone said, who's that? Exactly. It was yeah. Matt Damon. Matt, Matt Damon. <laughs> On the planet Mars. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait, no. What? Stop that. Was it a Martian? No, he was not. That was a different movie. I know you're just messing with us, but that's actually a good point. Because people couldn't really place what John Carter was or why mm-hmm. it was so big, uh, why it was such a you know, thing we should, we should know and pay attention to and stuff. And then the movie wasn't even that great. Mm. And I feel like that's uh, uh, some, of, some of why this gets kind of lost for me. I suspect we had different interpretations, but okay, tell me your impressions. Were you all about the house with the clock in its walls when you found out what that clock is doing you know in the walls there just over there ticking left and right alarms going off okay um was i into it no i i didn't really care oh okay (laughs) all right i mean i should say like i thought this was like a a fun spooky ride i ate uh, a lot of popcorn that i got for free and drank way too much soda and enjoyed (laughs) myself but um yeah, now that you mention it, like once you once it's revealed what the clock is and what what it is, it's so just kind of absurdly ridiculously evil that it's kind of like, "Oh, okay, sure. All right." I mean, that's it's not a it's not a death ray or a, a nuclear bomb, but it's a, as effective as that. So it's it's slightly more original, but like, okay. Yeah. This it's, is, it's cartoonish. They lose yeah. you. And I think trying to make it so such an ominous, impossible villainy. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, oh, you know what? Like, we ran it in. <laughs> yeah. You know, let me, let me, you kind of left me uh, in the dust on this ride. You went way, <laughs> way left. Yeah. And it starts off as a story of this kid adapting in his new surroundings and his uncle's weird and he's learning about magic. Mm-hmm. And then it goes way deep into the myths of these evil warlocks and his machinations from beyond the grave. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what, what, huh, huh? Yeah. Well, I wasn't ready for this. I, 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 I went all cross-eyed for a minute. <laughs> you know, it was, it was, um, it loses you, not necessarily like early on. Like I wanted to find out what would happen with little snot-nosed bully from uh, you yeah. know, uh, uh, once that cast went off. And I was hoping that once the kid learned magic, that I don't know, maybe an errant fireball <laughs> finds his way into uh, the bully's locker. And I, I've I've got issues, you know, but I'm just like use that. And I felt it kind of let the audiences down. But I also acknowledge I'm a full-grown man, so I'm like, no man, you better tie his shoelaces together, you know, upside down from the tallest tree branch with him still in him. You know what I'm saying? Just like dangling. <laughs> he but didn't get enough of a comeuppance, no. He didn't. But you know what? Again, they're little kids, and I think this was presented more like how little kids would react. Yeah. You know, uh, and maybe that's just me looking for too much from this film, but it still let me down overall. Yeah. You know, uh, Jack Black was amusing, but honestly, he's um, he's in this as kind of a tool. Yeah. To do something weird, say something weird, play his crazy saxophone, and then there's a poop joke. Why were there, there so are many three poop jokes? Ridiculous poop jokes that just come out of nowhere, and they are like thorough. It's not just like, oh, I slipped in something gross. It's like, no, we've got a giant sentient just hose. Oh, 
I'm sorry, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spoil that part for anyone who wants to see. Them. Yeah, where do those come from though? They just came, came out of nowhere. Just these these gigantic poop jokes. Yeah, again, I think it's this movie is aimed at a younger audience, yeah. and the more we talk about it, the more, the less I like it. I'm <laughs> um, over the box. <laughs> Lilith gradually becoming a curmudgeon on air. <laughs> I think like if you had to take your your little brother or sister to this film, you would have a good time. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it's not for adults. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of a shame because I like when they take old, the old lesser known properties mm -hmm. and do them well in theaters and they introduce them to a new generation. Yes. I was completely unfamiliar with this one, but knowing that it's uh, from, I, I think 1972, Mm -hmm. when the book series came out. It even had a uh, small resurgence on an old TV show that was hosted by um, Vincent Price. Oh. Yeah, where they brought, like, uh, I love if you say, oh, like we didn't talk about it before the show. <laughs> um, That's called acting. <laughs> <laughs> but they talked about, uh, it was an anthology series, they talked about uh, different works of horror, um, like kid-friendly horror, and introduced th uh, those stories to uh, young kids who wouldn't necessarily know about those. And like, stuff like that is cool. And the house with the ho uh, clock and its walls uh, was one of those titles. And it's nice that those things exist. So it's like younger generations can learn about this thing that existed that you may be into, mm -hmm. but you would have no other avenue of getting. And this movie is not the way to, to, uh, to pick up on that, I think. <laughs> no. Uh, it had the budget. It had m most of the acting. But... I, I don't think they could nail it down. I got to give this a thumbs down, like like officially. Aww. What do you think? I'm gonna give it a, a thumbs up. Oh, but well, it's all right. Curveball. What do you get? Really on the line. <laughs> like I said, I, I originally when I walked out of the theater, I was thinking I'd give this like three out of five. Like it's more enjoyable than less. But now I'm definitely closer to the line mm. but i still think if if you are just looking for something fun and spooky you can throw this on and enjoy it as long as you don't expect too much from it all right okay that's fair fair <laughs> uh we're turning on this one john you the tiebreaker <laughs> yeah uh so i didn't watch it but yeah, looking exactly. at the uh the movie poster art what? I'm gonna give it uh, an I don't know out of uh, yeah, all, uh, all right. That's enough out of you. Three schools out of one rock. Oh, stop! Stop it right now. The movie is a house with a clock in its walls, starring Jack Black, Kate Blanchett, Kyle MacLachlan, 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 It's in theaters now. If uh, you're in the horror, it's. I, I would recommend you may check out this book. I really don't want to be one of those guys that said, no, I don't see this. You go back and watch blank and read blank and something. But honestly, it felt like they left a lot out of this movie. Mm -hmm. That is probably in the book. Yeah. And the book was well received. So if it's available. Check your local library. Check your Amazon um, uh, digital. Uh, find it on a Kindle. It's it's available places. But the house with the clock in its walls. Uh, actually, we will split decision on this. Yeah. All right. So. This past weekend, I got to check out the Boston Festival of Indie Games. Johnny, yeah, did you get to check out the Boston I Festival did. of Indie Games? Did Tom, we? did you get to check out the Boston Festival? I did not. Of course not. Uh, this man has no dedication. What's going on? Uh, I'm slacking. I'm messing. What can I say? I'm messing with you, buddy. Drop it's okay. ball, Tom, man. do you just live back there? Yes. <laughs> More or less. I'm, I'm, I'm here all the time. 
You didn't see the pull-out bed uh, over in the other <laughs> room? No. I, just, I, I sleep in the piano over there. Ooh. Oh, there you go. Just open it up and climb in. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it doubles as both the bed and the coffin. <laughs> All right, so we're talking about the Boston Festival of Indie Games. <laughs> right here in Boston, Massachusetts. It takes place uh, every year for the last, what, six years, I think? Mm-hmm. At that, MIT. Yeah. We've been covering it since the very beginning, back when it was just a collection of college students in very sweaty, uh, non- <laughs> Air conditioned uh, uh, classrooms. I remember it very well <laughs> because oh, the 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 aroma was indescribable. Yeah, yeah, I, me- I remember that first one. I played like this uh, this weird hacking puzzle game. It, it was in a classroom. It was like what was it like spread across two or three different classrooms, and that was just yeah. about it. It was, like, it was yeah. like two or three classrooms, and a few people had set up like in the lobby. Yeah. Too, I remember. That's where we met a uh, friend of the show, Caleb Garner, mm. um, who actually plugged us into a few other uh, game companies. So that was pretty cool. Uh, well, now it's come a very long way, and now they've set up at a different part of MIT mm-hmm. and auditoriums. Not just yeah. Big yeah. giant, uh, I guess, what they use for various sporting events and stuff like that. So big giant uh, gymnasium. Yeah, it's I think the Johnson Athletic Center. Um, yep. Now it sounds like we're making fun. I'm actually very fond of this of this uh, exposition, except for the uh, heat. They have there. Well, actually, no, dude. The uh, temperature was much better um, managed this year. It was better than last year. Yeah. It was still hot. All right. Well, I'm it was yeah, still baby very steps. Hot. Okay, help, help. Yeah. You know, uh, like give give throw them a bone. Yep. Uh, but the Boston Festival in the Games is a um, it's a uh, it's not quite a convention. It's more of an exposition. But local developers, local independent game developers, actually get a chance to shine at these events. And um, we always see some of the newest of the new. And oftentimes, you see like the really cool projects that are coming out. And also, you see some of the unfinished, uh, smaller tier projects. Some? That are, yeah, some. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's both tabletop and uh, video games. So it's a good <laughs> mix of both. And it's good to like meet developers face to face, get like the uh, meet the minds behind the games. It's usually a good time, regardless of whether you play some awesome stuff or some uh, stuff. And let's hear about Johnny's experience because you seem to have like the most interesting times every year. Yeah, I man, I I go through as quickly as possible and as thoroughly as possible all sorts of different games that they have over there. I primarily focus on the video game side of things just because board games tend to take a little bit more time to play and to sort of fully understand whereas video games you can kind of just jump in and play and the rules are um, either taken care of because it's a video game and it simulates all the rules for you and you don't have to worry about uh, receiving an explanation or uh, board games typically multiplayer style type of things not to say that there aren't multiplayer style video games but yeah so played just about every single video game that they had or oh, or watched um, I, I played through the ones that uh, I felt were deserved to in order to get the right experience uh, oh, I love what you said I, I played the ones I felt deserved my time <laughs> well, ju- worthy. just to get the gist of what it is like there's some games like the story based games like you can kind of just watch someone it's not really something that you need to get your hands on to really play okay. uh, and there's others where uh, I very briefly because it looked there was this one game um i forgot what it was called but it was one of the sponsored booths mm-hmm. and it was running like this really souped up 3d engine it looked like thief uh except that you could play as it was more fantasy based instead of um 
I don't want to say medieval, but like uh, wh wherever it is that thief takes place, you're not just a thief. You can go this uh, mage route uh, with spells, and you can go this warrior route. And uh, the developer seemed super excited about it, but that engine looked really good. Um, I think they he said that him and his team has been working on it for like four years or something like that. It was a very fun looking game. Uh, and I played around with it very briefly just to make sure that it controlled as good as it looked and it it controlled pretty well some weirdo Person decided to like flip the X and Y axis or not the X and Y the Y axis on the developer? No, not not the developer. It was some other uh, Person that was playing they just went to the controls and flipped it So I was I was playing around with it just to make sure the controls are nice and tight I was like, oh no the Y axis is flipped <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to play any more of this. But it looked really good. That one was very promising. I didn't get uh, note down the uh, the name or uh, get any more information just because it was sponsored. It wasn't truly indie there. And there were some other developers that hey, were. Listen to the elitism here. Well, because it was. It wasn't truly indie. Well, I'm. You know, I'm. I had to pick and choose which ones <laughs> I I think deserves to be talked about. So I have. I have one here. That uh, there's actually two. Uh, one of which I think is probably my my primary pick overall, which is a game called Super Chrome Bullet Purgatory. Uh, I think Super Chrome is the main name, and then Bullet Purgatory is sort of like the subtext of this. This is like a uh, it's a vertical shooter. It's kind of like Gladius, and but Gladius is a side scroll uh, left to right. This one's uh, top up and down, almost like a uh, Space Invaders. So this is like a Space Invaders style game, but it has that, that very retro-esque NES, maybe even a little bit older than that style graphics. And it's a bullet hell game, so you can kind of think like bullet hells in a way of like Ikaruga or whatever, but NES style. Uh, and you're going through wave after wave of enemies, a la Space Invaders, and... You're, there's boss fights in there and you're shooting them down and uh, there's you can switch your main weapon uh, Sorry your your special weapon as you see fit and then there's this dodge mechanic which kind of makes it uh, a little bit more interesting because there aren't too many bullet hell shooters that have a Dodge mechanic and this dodge mechanic is your you have invulnerability so you can sort of dodge through the bullets uh, and it's also slightly teleportery in that your dodge is like really really fast uh, and you have to because there's so many bullets on the screen especially during boss fights you have to make sure that you are picking exactly where you want to dodge and make sure that you you're very familiar with how far the dodge is going to take you, you and the direction like that it does take, to take you. Take the most mundane challenges and make them extra extra complex. <laughs> it, it's so it. It's like, yeah, it's like I, it's like it's like you can't just like you know get it over there. You have to calculate the exact distance and then dodge at the exact moment and then you go up and huh. left and then down and right. And then make another left, then another left, and then another left, and then when you think you're gonna make a right, you make another left. Like <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they call it bullet purgatory, so I mean, this is uh, they're they're also going like a weird like space uh space odyssey space uh, 2001 space odyssey. Yeah, they're like uh, going like a weird cosmic vibe of like what the people in the 60s and 70s thought like the future of 1990 would be <laughs> <laughs> i love i love things like that uh, 
It's uh, it, that was a very impressive game. It was it was just impressive just by how tight and polished things were, and how nice the controls felt, and the difficulty ramped up very smoothly, very nicely. It wasn't so hard, so punishing. Uh, they had to, these special attacks had ammo to it, so you had to sort of be conservative. Uh, uh, with its use and stuff like that, and I was playing the, or what they were demoing was the arcade mode of it, where you're going wave after wave, uh, and talking with the developer, they have a campaign, a story-based campaign that they have in the works, and the way that they're planning on unfolding the story is sort of a la uh, Ninja Gaiden, where it's cutscenes in between, after you complete a level, you get like a little tiny, mini little cutscene, nothing crazy, no dialogue, just a little cutscene of the story, just to speed things along, give you an idea of, you know, where the story's taking you, and then boom, back to another level. And this right, you know, cuts you right across <laughs> the middle, and you land. Like, hey, which one won? And then you fall, yep. and you're like, no, dad! And then, no. Yeah, no. Oh, that except you're in spaceships. Okay, so your spaceship like jumps up in midair, and like <laughs> cuts across, and like lands on a moon, and just kind of like you know teeters over. You're like, no, C three P O. That's copyrighted. Someone yeah. can sue. Um, but yeah, you know what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah, uh, they didn't have it on display, but that, that's what the developer is talking about. It seems so. like a missed opportunity to me. Yeah. Well, that was a very impressive game. Uh, that was one of my picks. Uh, another one was a game called uh, Rhythm Road, which is uh, even... It was even less of a NES-style graphics. It was more like Atari-style graphics. Uh, but that was just a fascinating game. It was... Uh, it Aesthetically, I know I said Atari, but it looked awesome. At the aesthetics of well, it, it was, it was just very style, man. yeah. Don't, it was don't sleep on that. it was binary colors. It was black and white. Uh, it was very eight bitty ish uh, sprites. Just just nothing overwhelming, but it all fit very well together. And what you have is you have a character which you get to customize uh, via this pixel editor, uh, and that character is just trot along uh, on what appears to be a ro the road uh, or sidewalk or whatever it is in this dated very weird graphics looking <laughs> thing and then underneath that road that your character's traveling on is um, a series of up down left right uh, button prompts that are all timed to the music that you're hearing mm -hmm. so you get to hear this really awesome uh, chip toony uh, soundtrack and it's basically the uh, guitar hero but your character's just walking along this thing and you're trying to see how far along you can walk uh throughout this level that's based on the song where you're hitting the button prompts to the rhythm of the beat and so it's it's like a very very bite-sized minuscule little compact very tight little rhythm game that's all it is it's just this rhythm game where you just hit the the, the up down left rights according to the rhythm and and you, your character goes and that's it I okay. think it's, it's so wonderful that we're teaching yeah. people rhythm. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it's so simple yet yet uh, elegant in how it's presented, and I, I thought that was pretty fascinating. And I told the developer himself wasn't sure whether they were they were just showing it off there and thinking like, ah, oh, this is my game, I made it, but I'm gonna make something else. And he wasn't sure that that he was gonna take it any further or, or sell it. He's giving away right now for free on uh, on a bunch of different places. And I told him, I'm like, just polish this up, sell it for like a dollar on like the app store or something like that because this is a fun game and more people should be 
would absolutely be interested in playing something like this. I love the concept of you walking around there. Okay, let me give you some business advice there, sir. <laughs> what you want to market this product is, okay, I want you to polish it up, tighten up the graphics just a little bit, all right? And then I want you to sell this on the open market, all right? Then what you're going to do is you're going to contact a man, his name is Jobs, Steve Jobs. <laughs> oh, wait, no, he's dead. Okay, fine, I'm going to contact another man, Gates, Bill Gates. Oh, it's a little harder, easier said than done. Okay, you're going to contact a man. Like you're just throwing out names out of yeah. All right. Um, I got to see a lot of cool stuff myself. <clears throat> I had, I think, a uh, less uh, scrutinizing time as you did. A lot of the games <laughs> I found were geared specifically towards little kids. And that didn't necessarily really turn me off, but it felt really out of place. Literally, I'm walking. I'm a six foot tall man. I'm walking through this place, and there's just like a sea of children around my thigh and knees. And I mean like young kids. There was like eight and ten-year-olds. I was just like, the yeah, uh, Tom just minded in the background there. I'm Trying just to like step over them. This giant, you know, ogre storming the village town people. <laughs> and so I was trying not to step on children. And they were just all over the place, like, you know, careening back and forth, which was, I mean, good for them. It's good that the younger generations got to actually see some of the newest uh, in, in the independently developed games out there and a lot of that was focused on but still i felt a little like weird not a place because it's like i'm here to see the latest thing where somebody gets to stab someone with a saber and then <laughs> blow up a, a ship with a giant rocket launcher maybe i'm taking out a moon i don't know you know um and instead there's a, a okay there's a game where it's a dungeon crawler but they're focused on is it combat? No, see, the purpose of this game is when you play dungeon crawling games and open world stuff like Zelda, um, the worlds are really beautifully designed, but you keep getting roped into these missions, you know, where you have to uh, are and fetch quests and stuff, you know, you have to accomplish something for someone else. You never really get to take it all in. So I've designed a world where taking it in is one of the main objectives of the game. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, I get it. So people can really, like, you know, uh, explore and see the designs, and they'll go here and they'll get some cool stuff, and then they'll go here and get some cool stuff. And it's like, yeah, you know, kind of like that. Um, and, you know, the, <laughs> the creatures, you know, the creatures are there to obstruct your way, and you got to find ways around them. Like, okay, cool. So, you know, instead of, like, focusing on unit-on-unit uh, uh, unit combat, maybe I'm just, like, fighting some vicious creatures and stuff. Like, no, no, that's too much for kids. So, you know, the animals, they're not, like, attacking you. They just kind of, like, get in your way, and you have to find a way to, you know, get around them. Like, okay, all right. No, I, I, I get it. I get it. So maybe more like a Shadow of the Colossus thing, you know. It's not attacking me. I just need to, like, you know, uh, kick it a couple times, you know, send it on its way. It's creating an obstacle. No, no, not quite. They just get in your way, but if you attack them, they're going to run. Um, oh, okay, I guess. What am I, hunting? Is that what's going on here? It's like, no, no, no. See, they run, and you can run after them, but you'll never catch them. Um, oh, okay. So they uh, block my path literally. Fine, you know. Hey, no, that's all good. That's a that's an inch. It's a unique mechanic. Awesome. I see what you're going for there, buddy. The rest of this looks very pretty. Let me go. Let me guess. Um, if I uh, get out of this cave and I go to this vendor, I can get some tools and some weapons, and then go about the uh, go about the missions, right? Well, no, no, no. The uh, we don't have weapons in this game. Okay, well, how am I going to defend myself when someone tries to pull a fast one? Well, all the units in this game are friendly. 
Oh, okay, all right, you know, so you're trying to create a different type of environment. So I guess I'm, uh, I'm, I'm getting crews together and we're like solving puzzles and accomplishing tasks together. It's like cooperation, right? Well, no, not, not quite, you know, I mean, maybe we'll introduce that some, somewhere down the line. Right now, it's just about, you know, you explore the world and you, you know, talk to people in the stores and then you, you know, uh, take in the atmosphere and then, you know, see the landscape. Uh, well, Scheiser. Um, okay. So what is the point? The point of the game is to, I guess, escape the cave go over to the local uh, shopping mall and find parking. I have no idea. I have no freaking <laughs> idea. And I played this for a good 15 minutes of nothing happening and then it froze on me. <laughs> and I couldn't go into a store. I couldn't... I, I got out of the cave. The cave gives you a pickaxe. I'm like, okay, this is my weapon for when, you know, they, the, those these vicious creatures attack me. It's like, no, no, no. You can only use this on the rocks. All right, it's a pickaxe. No, I get it. Fair. You know, it's a tool. So I, I hit it twice. And then it like vaporized. What, what what happened? Oh well, you know you can only get limited hits on the pickaxe, and now you have to dig your own way out with the hands. What? What the hell kind of game is this? I played that for far too long, and then when it froze, they're like, "Oh, you've got so much more to play." I'm like, "No, I don't." Yeah, um, there was other cool stuff. That was just one of the more ridiculous ones that I kind of got roped into. I played this game called Cheer Up, like literally on my way out. It, uh, it's one of those ones that was set up like right by the door, which is like the best and worst places they can put a game <laughs> because people come in and anytime I enter a room or, you know, any kind of any kind of hall, the first things that are right by the door, like those are just like white noise to me. I, oh, I yeah. pass right by them. Yeah. You know, maybe if I'm on the way out and I'll, I'll something catches my eye. Otherwise, they completely get overshadowed by everything else. Yeah. And this was this fun ass game that was just like right there by the door. And I, I don't remember what exactly they yelled at me. You know, something about like, hey, nice tie or, you know, uh, something anti-Semitic. I'm not sure. But <laughs> caught my attention and I went to the table. And it's one of these games that's kind of set up like a Cards Against Humanity thing. We have uh, every, every round you get three cards you put down. And then uh, they have to match and make up their own story. And then, um, you know, whoever uh, is, the, is the dealer reading the, um, the, the object card is the one who decides the winner of that round. And the foulest stuff was on these cards. And we played something. Once I learned what the little acronym was on the side, we played the Not Safe for Grandma edition. Oh, my goodness. And uh, I was like, it looks very unassuming. I, I actually had a picture of it. We uh, scrolled through um, it earlier, if you're watching on the Facebook feed. It's this very, the game is called Cheer Up, by the way. It's this very unassuming picture of, like, a friendly puppy on the cover. You know, light blue, and he looks all happy, and it's called Cheer Up. And we open the game, and there's all types of references to, like, you know, uh, um, I, I, I don't know, a, a giant sloth's urethra being repurposed as a slingshot. You know, weird stuff. Weird, wild stuff. And I, I, I didn't see it coming. I was blindsided because it wasn't just vulgar. It was funny. <laughs> That's the thing that got me. Um, there were different combinations you could make and everything was really well structured so that an A card couldn't uh, be matched with a C card because one has a verb, one has a noun, one hasn't. It was just really well structured and really dirty. <laughs> Packaged in the most unassuming, like family friendly looking box. And it was just a daggone good time. We met the team, took some pictures. They were very friendly people. Um, I'm sure they're very excited to see you, especially if there were so many children at the event. Yeah, that's the thing that got me, too. There's, like, kids all over this place, and I'm reading these cards like, no, no, you can't say this about, like, you know, <laughs> random gelatinous uh, viscous fluids from, from body parts. 
you know, with like eight-year-olds running around this place, okay? There's no like, you know, NSFW section. Okay, this was right, this was like right next to a game that was ripping off Door of the Explorer. You know, there, there's, there's like no boundaries there. All right, I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, we <clears throat> uh, ran into friend of the show, uh, the developers of Aegis, uh, and uh, Breeze, if you remember that guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we saw how that game has come like light years from when we featured it on the uh, on the Geekdown a couple years ago. Mm. We had these guys, they had just started making the game. Uh, well, this one guy really had just started making the game and uh, he had his he had the board and the prototypes and we had played up to um, the amount that was developed. And it was actually pretty cool. It was a cool concept. And it has come so far. Like now they've got multiple play modes. They've got hundreds of variations of robots you can build. And it was just like really cool to see something we saw so early in its development now be like this full fledged it's like a mini empire. He's broken off and formed his own company and the game itself had a crowd around it and the kids that were playing it seemed to like love it. And it was just cool as hell. The That's game is wonderful. Called, mm-hmm. The game is called Aegis. We'll put the we put the pictures up on the uh, on the Facebook, but um we'll tweet it out later on as well. Um saw a few other cool things. I had some of the uh choice ones pictured here. Uh, I played this game Flock of Dogs for oh, far man. too long. Did you play Flock of Dogs? I I, I was watching other people play it, and I quickly was like, mm, this is not my cup of tea. I don't know, man. I think you should have jumped in just for the story. I, it, I was watching <coughs> it happen. The artwork was like borderline good. The animations were good. Yeah. Uh, but then the rest of the artwork, when it wasn't animated, was mm. very impressive. It's like if, um, imagine if the animators of uh, Adventure Time yeah. got really, really drunk. <laughs> yeah. And then went into work on like a Saturday. Um, it's kind of loose animation, but the object of the game is, and I'll see if I can present this accurately. Okay, you're a little elf creature who lives in a floating tree island in the sky. You live with four or six or eight of your uh, friends, and you all ride flying dogs, which you have parked outside of your floating treehouse. Now, the object of this game is to um, get these dogs to safety behind the golden gates on the other side of this floating world map. So how do you do this? Well, you and however many of your friends are in the game, it's up to eight players, uh, climb out the window because your treehouse has no doors. You climb out the window and then get on your flying dogs. Now, with your flying dogs, you have to complete a, complete a small you know, scavenger hunt, uh, which includes collecting apples, collecting dog food, collecting sticks, um, finding a uh, giant golden key, and a ship's wheel. Why? Because you're going to use the apples to feed a, sle- a passed out whale on your lawn. This whale, once it's fed, wakes up and then rolls itself off the island and then floats next to your floating uh, your floating tree. It's docked now. So now you have to find dog food to strap it to the whale's fin. You have to find the wheel to jam it in the whale's blowhole. Oh no! And then you find the giant key to stuff in the whale's mouth. Once you do this, the whale now becomes your ship. The sticks are to build a nest on the side of the whale so you can park your flying dogs and then fly the whale. You're gonna fly the whale through various. <laughs> yeah, the look Tom's giving me is prices right I, now. I was just gonna say, how are you saying this with a straight face? And then Man, you answered my question. The drugs that must have gone into developing this thing are killer. I want to find out the supplier and buy in. And it's um, a co-op game. And it's a, yes, it's a co-op game up to eight players. 
uh, had no idea what the heck was going on. We're being attacked by like giant spiders and floating and flying gorilla creatures. Um, there's clouds that are zapping you with lightning, but it's not hurting you. That's how you replenish. Um, that's how you replenish your high your your your, your hydration Ooh. and how you get mops to clean the whale. When the whale gets dirty, the whale slows down and <laughs> and is handicapped. Now you find mops and you can scrub the uh, the footprints that you're leaving on the whale. Uh, along with the water from the uh, clouds. And then once the whale's spick and span again, now he's like, you know, grease lightning in the sky. And so, yeah, oh no, this was, this was, this was, it was a wild time, my friend. You should have partook. Uh, it was, it looked like absurdity. I, I just couldn't get past some of the, some of the still, in the still artwork. I don't blame you, but you know what? The thing that really got me is the dude that developed this was so serious about it. Like it was like, oh, all this is just wacky. I get it. This is just one day past. He's like, no, no, no. This is, this is, this is, this game is, this game is my opus, this is my life. This means something. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, my friend. It means you took one tab too many. Did you uh, check out a game called Slayin Two? Uh, describe Slayin Two for me. So it's, uh, it's like uh, yeast. Um, the old school style of yeast where all you do is just you have your your weapon it's always in front of you you're always holding it forward mm -hmm. and all you do is just run into enemies and you kill them essentially first shot if you don't kill them the first shot you will deal damage to them and then bounce backward and then you can sort of uh start running to charge forward again to deal more to deal damage to them again i did not um i don't remember seeing too many endless runners there so i mean that's, that's it, it's not an endless runner it's uh it's takes it all takes place on one screen and there's sort of two uh two levels uh sort of like a, a forward a foreground and a background that you can hop between by hitting a button mm. so your character will jump to the background and start killing enemies there and then you can hit the same button and the character will jump back to the foreground and then all you're doing is sort of, it's sort of like mopping the floors left and right you're sort of like cleaning up all the monsters that are constantly spawning and they spawn tons and tons of monsters and all you're doing is run left to right left to right jumping up uh dodging enemies that are coming up from below you because you have to you have to make sure that your pointy end it hits them rather than having any of them hit your non-pointy bit well, yes otherwise you take damage so it's like this uh fantasy uh high super high action very fast paced uh action slight RPG-ish type of gameplay where you're just going in one screen uh, for every level and you're just killing all the enemies so you wipe them all out and then uh, at the end of some levels uh, there'll be a little boss fight where you have where the bosses will change up their attack patterns and stuff like that so it's kind of like pseudo bullet hell because some of the enemies will uh, will throw out some projectile attacks and stuff like that and with the number of enemies that are on screen it becomes a little bit hectic it was a weird game I it liked sounds it. like it yeah it was weird and, and kind of cool i I, uh, I was digging it for the very quick time that i was playing it for and i surprisingly got hooked uh on on playing it longer than i anticipated nice you hit everything so that's really surprising no yeah. anything we anything where you, you, you it, the, the object is you stab them with the pointy end is okay with me that's the whole thing of slaying. Oh, <laughs> uh, on the uh, on the Facebook feed, we um, just flashed by a game um, called Born to Serve. This was an interesting uh, one, which we actually got the spiel and didn't get to play because, uh, well, after we got the story um, of like you know the, everything that happens in the game, which took about ten minutes to break down. Oof. 
Yeah. Uh, and then we learned that to actually play takes about 90 to 120 minutes. Oh. There were some people who had just started a game. Yeah, that wasn't happening. Yeah. But it's a game where uh, you play a superhero da, 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 in a struggling economy. <laughs> and you're in the struggling economy where um, there's Justice League organizations and such, but none of them are hiring because there's not much crime and there's not much money to go around and somehow you need to make a living. You're also from like a small town, so, you know, there's not many. I can't, you know, go to the Daily Bugle and become a, you know, star reporter for so-and-so. Uh, I kind of got to make ends meet. So you take a job as a waiter. But there are other superheroes who are out of work and also need jobs. And this uh, restaurant only has one opening. So you're all on that one day auditioning for um, uh, that one open waiter spot. So you all wait tables and have to find ways to use your powers to your advantage while waiting these tables. And it was interesting in the collection of heroes they had. Each one's with different types of powers, get different advantages and disadvantages, and can do things to either uh, boost their own performance or detriment other players. Ooh. Yeah, and that was interesting. And also some of the fun manipulations you can do. Uh, a couple of my personal favorites were uh, the uh, the Twister character. I, I think her name was Twister. And she controls tornadoes. And what she could do, uh, her advantage was defensive. Where, yes, yeah, she waits the tables. And the whole, they have this whole complex system of you can wait tables and how many plates you can serve at once. And different people uh, you can, uh, you can uh, cater to to get a bigger and bigger tip, and that's how you decide a winner. Uh, what she can do is when she uses, utilizes her power itself, um, everyone places their uh, plates strategically at the start of the round. And uh, whoever goes first, whoever rolls first, uh, like they can set it up so that they want an advantage at the beginning or at the end. Uh, her power is to shift each player one, uh, one space. <laughs> they completely hose someone else. One of my personal favorites also is, um, uh, Kid Firecracker. Kid Firecracker is this really, really old man. What? Yes. Kid Firecracker is his name because a long, long, long time ago, he was a child sidekick uh, who kind of never really, you know, grew out of that role. And now he's like an octogenarian who kind of just needs to make, you know, a living. I've decided he's wearing short pants. Is he wearing short pants? He's wearing short pants, a tie. <laughs> he's got the socks with the little garter on them. And he's wearing shorts with dress shoes. Uh, but no, no, no. I'll, I'll keep this quick. I don't want to ramble too, too, uh, too, long, too long about it. But his power is um, he can get a tip from tables he's not even waiting on. Because he's very slow. He's old, but he works that sympathy really well. Ooh. So even after a table's been served and gotten their dessert and paid their check and everything, he still can come up, oh, yeah, I'm sorry it took so long. I got your cake. Here you go. Enjoy, Sonny. And they're just like, oh, well, um, oh, yeah, okay. So it wasn't even his table, but to leave you a tip out of pity. It's It, it was weird stuff. We saw a lot of weird things, man. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed the heck out of this particular fig. Uh, the Boston Festival of Indie Games has become an annual event. They do a lot of good stuff. If you want to check them out, you go to Boston, you can Google Boston Festival of Indie Games. I think the URL is bfig.com. I'm not sure. Uh, let's see. It is bostonfig.com. Okay, bostonfig.com. So Boston mm -hmm. Highly encourage you to check it out. Yeah. Uh, they don't have the. Did you uh, check out the uh, the dog saving game? The dog saving game. Yeah, it's called the Last Friend. The last. Oh. It's like a tower defense game meets uh, a beat-em-up. 
side scroll beat them up. Okay, I thought I was afraid you were going to say this is it's like Homeward Bound or something where they're just like killing off dogs left and right. Yeah, that sounds very sad. Yeah. No, it it's a weird game. It takes place in like this post-apocalyptic world where everyone else is like these mutant zombies and they're chasing after your RV and all you're doing in your RV is you're driving around the world trying to save the last dogs that still remain there. And all the while, you're setting up these little gun turrets and whatnot as these uh, swarms of enemies come at you. And then you uh, will run up to them and you beat them up, kind of like Streets of Rage style. <laughs> it's uh, It was like a weird mishmash of two different genres I've never even I mean, thought. It's, it's a beat em up where you beat em up? Oh, snap. Beat em up and def tower defend. Yeah, it was oh, kind of cool. It was. <coughs> all right. All right, I did not, but. If you're at the FIG, or you can go to the FIG website, get the information on all the vendors there. Highly encourage you to check them out. We put up a bunch of pictures on the uh, Geek Down Twitter, and um, I'll go through and add tags for each of the companies there, too. If you want to see the game for yourself, dude, man, I, I had a great time. Lilith, I think you missed out. I did. Mm -hmm. my, my family's in town, um, so unfortunately I wasn't able to make it, but I am definitely putting on a docket for next year. All right. Now, before we go, we're going to talk about Maniac. This is the new... Uh, <laughs> it's a new Netflix series from Jonah Hill um, and co-starring Emma Stone, a team we haven't seen since Superbad. Mm -hmm. A long time ago where they the dynamic between them has shifted too. Yeah, absolutely. Jonah Hill has like lost a lot of weight and beefed up and Emma Stone in this one plays uh, a kind of social degenerate character. Yes. Yep, drug addict. Uh shell shock doesn't really have her life together and she's haunted by her own personal demons yeah very mm. antisocial. like not just like within herself but just actively doesn't want anyone to talk to her ever mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i understand that i work with johnny yeah <laughs> uh and i'm bitter it, yes you are <laughs> uh the this the series takes place in um it's not really a it's not really like a the future. It's kind of like a hodgepodge between uh, the future and a, a retro future presented in uh, in the past. We know that if it that takes place after 1999, yeah. but that's the only real time frame that they give us. Yeah, but in this world, they have things like they have like iPads and stuff, but they also have uh, computers that take up entire rooms. Yes, you know, uh, they have things like um, sentient. They have things like uh, home model sex bots, <laughs> but they also have, uh, it's just like green screen computers. Uh, they also have microfiche. Mm -hmm. They also have um, uh, uh, old video reels for tutorials. Yeah, it's almost like, like Apple never existed. The mm -hmm. tech boom never happened, but the technology has still progressed it's mm. just progressed in a very different way so like you said almost every computer that you see is huge and mm. has a huge back end to it and has the standard kind of like green coloring to it mm. at one point um you see a computer that kind of gives you different graphics to let you know what time of day it is and all of those graphics look like they're from the oregon trail yeah yeah it was wild too because i it seems like um, this is the world where Tandy Computers took over IBM's crown. Yes. You know, it's a world where the Yugo became the most popular model vehicle mm -hmm. uh, on the road. And it also presents these really weird relationships. Some of them are very healthy. 
Uh, some of them are really not. And it painted a lot of different types of conflict. Yes. One of the ones that really got me is when we fought, when we meet um, Jonah Hill's family. And they're just these awful, just douchebag. <laughs> um, how, how would you describe them? Because I would, I would think more like, I want to say like New Hampshire or like Cape Cod. Yeah. Yuppies. Um, really, really Trump influenced yeah, they're oh. definitely like the all of the worst aspects of the one percent. Yeah. They're clearly um, from old money. They don't care about each other's feelings. Everything mm. is all about pretense and the and the way that their family is viewed. They treat themselves as like, well, we're, we're like we're the I can't even remember their names. We're the Johnsons, and Johnsons always come out on top. And no matter how they do it and yeah, it's predominantly by cheating and lying mm -hmm, very much so we're actively introduced to these people trying to get jonah hill to lie under oath to protect his brother who has openly admitted to being just a heinous there's <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really trying to control my language here but there's like deep parallels to a lot of the stuff that's happening right now in yes. the real world news and we were sympathetic to him while completely hating the family he comes from. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of that, we have Emma Stone, who's actively on a quest for more of this one particular drug that she's become addicted to. But it's not like you can go to like your local weed man, you know, uh, you know, guy on the corner or whatnot. Uh, she's addicted to an experimental drug that was leaked from a lab uh, by somebody who's like loosely connected to someone on the inside. And it's kind of like the most complex addiction you could have. And when we learn her motivation for why she wants to keep taking the drug, at first, it's not just like an addiction she has. Oh, man, this makes me feel good. Yeah. It's really on some like deep psychological damage level. Yes. Yeah. And the show plays a lot with that, plays with mental illness in a really interesting way. Yeah, they, they openly admit, uh, Jonah Hill's character is especially very interesting because you understand almost from the beginning that he has uh, schizophrenia and the way that they treat that is is very um, they treat it really well throughout throughout the TV series there's 10 episodes and you see uh, at the beginning they're on kind of a fake trial to prepare him for the, the trial for his brother and that's when they bring it up and you see that his family has already kind of treated him like the black sheep and that he's just kind of a lost cause yeah because because he's a decent human being yeah you know how dare you be a good guy oh. Ugh, you disgust us like what the hell's wrong with you people no this, this is this so was, awful they did some wild stuff in this and i honestly gotta gotta um i've gotta praise jonah hill because i've never seen him play such a subdued character oh yeah you know he was very low-key he was uh, I really brought him, bought him as repressed, mm -hmm. and he never once dropped that. Like it never slipped. I believed him the whole way. And had I not known, this is that same guy from, um, he was that same guy from Knocked Up, and that same guy uh, from uh, This Is the End, and that same guy from um, Twenty One Jump Street, Twenty Two yeah. Jump Street, all those. Uh, who's who you laugh at? He's funny. He's amusing. He tells jokes. He's uh, you know the butt of jokes sometimes. And in this, I'm just like. You, you, you poor son of a Come here, bring it in. Oh, you, oh, you poor. He's been through it. He, yeah, yeah. He no, is, he has had he, a hard time of it. Um, it was, it was, it was just damned impressive. Yeah. And mind you, I hated the series. Really? It bugged the crap out of me the whole time. I'm just like, everyone is awful. 
Yes. All you people are heinous. <laughs> the scientists that run this experiment are the lowest scum. <laughs> and the fam like Hill's family is terrible. Emma Stone, you think you're going to like her and then you don't. Or I didn't at least. Uh, I mean, eventually she comes around, but you start off like you are just a horrible person. Yes. And you're horrible to everybody. And mind you, yes, they deserve to be, they're all horrible themselves. <laughs> but you're like, you know, you, you, you're no prize yourself. <laughs> and this is coming off of, uh, we, uh, we reviewed uh, Forever mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, on, on Last Geek Down. And that's one that I found, I found merit in the show where uh, I'm watching and things are popping up where it's like um this was unexpected this was surprising and where i thought it was going to go left it went right mm -hmm. uh with this where i thought it was going to go left it went up <laughs> i thought it was going to go right and went backwards you know it's all over the place and it's approaching things from every angle and i think at some point it became far too disjointed okay because we start off following the story of jonah hill and emma stone and we get that for like two episodes and then they go into like this dream sequence under the drug and then uh, I think it's like the next three episodes are different worlds under the drug. And, be, and I, I thought it was, okay, I guess it's going to be an anthology from here on out. And it gets wacky. Yeah. And then it gets serious. And then it gets like, I don't know, kind of oh, like goodness. Sam Spade intricate. You know, when we're saying, okay, I guess these are the depths of their psyche. And this is where the show's going to go. And then, no, it's back in the real world. And then someone dies. And then, okay, it's a little morbid for a minute. And then someone's being abused, and I'm like, "Where the hell? Where the hell is this coming from? You know, am I the schizophrenic? Is that what's, is that what's happening here?" Um, and the whole thing was just too like all over the place. If it, I didn't, I couldn't tell if they were trying to communicate a message that just got really lost, mm -hmm. or if this was just like one quick cash grab. Uh, I was, I was more lost and confused and i found myself not enjoying it you know okay and that that's like and i wanted to get those that, that praise out of the way because it's not that i didn't enjoy it because i thought the acting was bad i actually thought the performances were brilliant in this and it's not that i thought that the story was poorly written i thought they presented what they were trying to do very well the problem is i had no idea what the hell they were trying to say <laughs> you know um, I think those are all fair criticisms. I I loved it. I loved almost every second of it. There were parts of it that I had to kind of stop and start again, um, especially because so the they are uh, Jonah Hill and Emma Stone go into a drug trial. She mm -hmm. goes into it purely so that she can get more of this drug. Yeah. Jonah Hill goes in um, for money. So that neither of them have like good intentions going in. Yeah. And in the drug trial, they try three different drugs, A, B, and C, and each one does a different thing and opens up their minds in a different way. You're never confused as to like what's real and what's not. You understand like what's what's happening when they're awake and what's happening when they're in their... Uh, the dream realm. Dream realm, yeah. Um, but I will say that the, the way that the drugs interact with their brains some of them are uh more kind of like fun and amusing some of them are more kind of silly and some of them go on for a long time and are and are quite difficult yeah. um and and not as satisfying but overall i felt that as a whole i i felt that the whole thing did have a very specific statement that it was making mm -hmm. about connections and and the struggle of of finding people that you have real genuine connections with and 
how difficult it can be to find those people and how sometimes you find them and then something happens that ruins it and can you rebuild those connections so ultimately like that's a very simple premise but can absolutely get lost and muddled in everything else that's when, happening. When do they get muddled? When suddenly there's uh, these Russian, fr- the, uh, the, <laughs> this this Russian, somehow Russian uh, uh, fur um, traders who have like <laughs> bulletproof fur coats, and and they're trying to kidnap a lemur from an old lady who, who then turns out to be like some big fu from beyond the grave, uh, from mother to daughter. Yeah. Uh, or was it when um, the uh, the mobster? Uh, who's not a mobster? He turned out to be some kind of like crime specialist uh, for hire. Uh, it just so many things. My 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 my, my head hurts. <laughs> just just recounting it, and it's an interesting it's an interesting story. I'll definitely give them that. Yeah. And I definitely like the style. I like this world they presented, where it's kind of the future, but it's a future influenced heavily by the past. Yes. And a lot of retrofuturism. Like I'm crazy about the Fallout series for that same purpose. It's like, how do the past view the future? Like the future beyond where we are now. Mm-hmm. You know, and that stuff has always been really cool to me. And the way they did this was amusing. It's just, they had me on so many points and then completely lost me in the story they were telling. Mm-hmm. And that's not an easy thing to do. That almost seems, that to me, that seems that, that takes effort. <laughs> you know, like that, that's almost on purpose. Um. I do definitely applaud Jonah Hill. I think he's come a long way mm-hmm. in several aspects, and like his performance in this was just was 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 beautiful, was perfect. I also think Emma Stone did a wonderful job. You hate her because she is absolutely taking out all of her very justified anger mm-hmm. out on everyone else. But I feel like you, by the end of the show, like you really understand what that anger is Mm -hmm. and i think that she never crosses that line of like being mean and terrible for no reason there's always like a very active sense of like i'm hurt and i'm acting out from that hurt which is a very hard thing to to do Mm -hmm. um i also loved i can't remember her name i'm sorry but one of the main scientists she was from uh i i saw her in ex machina Oh yeah, I know. I know you're talking about the. She walked around with her hands on her hips the whole time. Yeah, she her elbows hair, out. Yes, her her hair is like a perfect A of hair. Yeah, and she's smoking in a really like ridiculous way. She's smoking in her bedchamber. They have like they sleep in these drawers, and like you're you're in this confined space, and she's just there with a cigarette. Yeah, no actual room to to, to remove it from her no. mouth and just. Sorry, that was a, that, that's that's like the main thing I, I I noticed. I'm like, this defines her character. Yeah, where she's actively in bed, still smoking. Yeah, and the, the bed uh, to kind of further clarify, it's almost like a coffin. Like it is a drawer that closes all the way, so yes. she has yeah. no air to speak of. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that really took me out of this was Sally Field. Really? Yeah, because it was still in. I was still on the line. It was still like tolerable, uh-huh. and then they introduced Sally Field, who has a tumultuous, 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 has a strained <laughs> relationship with her son, one of the main scientists. And you'd think that's going to be a, a, a story of like a relationship that maybe um, had some, had some tension, had, a, had some, had some, 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 some steps to, to improve on both sides and no she's just a horrible person she's terrible she is horrible and petty 
Yeah. And learns nothing. Yep. <laughs> and then when she finds out how she can influence this this uh, this whole experiment, uh, she does the most spiteful thing that she can think of, and it blows up in her face. And even then, she she can't resist the urge to say, "Well, I told you so." It's like because it's your fault. <laughs> and I'm just like, I I I hate you so much. I just and I normally like Sally Field. <laughs> I do. She was she was from from. From ground, um, not Groundhog Day, uh, from Mr. Doubtfire. Mr. Doubtfire, yeah. Yeah, and Smokey and the Bandit, and all types of other good stuff. I think she was the Flying Nun. Was she the Flying Nun? Yeah. I think, yeah, she was the Flying Nun. <laughs> and then she's like this off, you don't know what, the, we don't know what that <laughs> is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, well, bottom, long story short, I like Sally Field. <clears throat> I hated her in this. Um, I, uh, I loved her. <laughs> Her character is terrible. I do think that once again, I disagree with you. I don't think she did it out of spite. I think there's a certain point where she does try to help, mm -hmm. but because- Is it when she's tongue kissing her son? Because that was <sighs> the most normal scene in the, in the whole thing. It wasn't a real tongue kiss, just yeah. to be clear, but it was gross. <laughs> it was a real Angelina Jolie and her brother moment. Yeah, just, like, <laughs> just like leaned in. Blah, blah, blah. And he had like, he had her lipstick just on his face for like the next three scenes. He did. I'm like, you all are just, mm, mm. sorry, continue. Um, I just felt that she was, uh, she was so caught up in her own stuff that even when she says like, you know, I really do want to help. Like, I, I think that I can because mm. I'm this, this big author. I've, I've written, you know, 40 books on self-help and yeah. all of this stuff and emotional well-being. And, and that's everything. not paraphrasing. She actually says this. Yeah. In, she, the, in the in the in the in the in the series, she's such a big shot, and she's like, "No, son, like, let me help." She still can't do it because deep in her heart, she's a coward, mm -hmm. and she just can't get over her own petty nonsense. Hateful. I, I think that's um, that's something that's really difficult to kind of show people who are like they want so hard to try to get beyond their themselves but they're just like they're stuck in their own patterns and I, I really liked seeing that even though i hated her and i was like why can't you just get it together for this one thing <laughs> oh you gotta work for the greater good <laughs> all right so the show was called maniac i didn't dig it apparently Lilith did i'm really surprised we we differ so so much on this it's i i struggle there are things just to be clear there are things that i absolutely hate there are movies that i hate mm -hmm. Um, I don't like to talk about them except for one in particular, uh, but just because, you know, it takes a lot of time and money and skill to make a TV show or to make a film. And it's so easy to just like tear something down. Mm -hmm. So I'd always try to find the good things in it, even if it's not something that I love. But one of the things that I do genuinely love is when something comes at me unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of times that uh, a, a genuine criticism of this is nonsense, <laughs> will hit for me just because I'm like, well, I didn't expect it. So I had a good time with it. <laughs> okay, all right. I, on the other hand, have a very low tolerance for bullshit. Now, I know. <laughs> no, the show is called, <coughs> oh, excuse me. <coughs> the, the show is called Maniac, starring Jonah Hill. I'm choking on my own rage here. <coughs> I'm Thank so you. sorry, I'll agree with you next time, I promise. <laughs> No, no worries. The show is called Maniac. It's on ne it's on Netflix now, starring Jonah Hill, uh, Emma Stone. Both come a long way. And um, uh, dang, I mean, I I think this is uh, probably the first step in possibly a. Um, I'm hoping at the very least, like a whole new uh, avenue of just like really interesting media from Jonah Hill because yeah. he's got this. He's also got this um, this movie out. Yeah, nineties. Yeah. 
Yeah. So he's doing like really interesting stuff. You know, I think he's really coming out of his shell as a uh, producer, which is good to see. And even though I wasn't crazy about this project, I'm really hoping to see more. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more from him. Mm-hmm. All right. So we've gone way over time on this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. But this has been the Geek Down here on WEMF. I want to thank you all for joining us for another action packed, fun filled show. I want to thank just Johnny. Yo. Oh, the rock oh. <laughs> I want to thank Little Beast. So happy to be back. Oh, welcome back. Thank you very much. <laughs> I want to thank Two Thumb Tom. Woo! I want to thank you awesome listeners. And I want to remind you all, you can listen on WMFRadio.com. But also, if you want to see our smiling faces, you can watch us every Monday night right here on twitch.tv slash thegeekdown. Also, if you heard anything during the show you want to chime in on, hit us up at geekdownradio at gmail.com. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, slash the geek down on Twitter at the geek down Instagram at the geek down um, dude we're all over the sucker on iTunes like and subscribe <laughs> five stars if you can um, just we are everywhere you can't get rid of us you can also <laughs> go to the regular site itself geek-down.com for all that goodness I'll get that back up and running I swear it's just so heavily dependent on YouTube so mm. I gotta I gotta carry that over. Uh, but in the about section, all the links to social media are there. You can find the backlog shows and also the write-ups for uh, different events. Whew. That is a mouthful and a half. Yeah. Before we go, any Twitters you want to shout out? I'm not on Twitter. I'm sorry. You're not on Twitter. <laughs> I'm on Instagram. Beast, B-E-E-S-T. B-E-E-S-T. All right. You can start there and then we'll get you on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> all right. Just Johnny? Uh, Critic Punk. This guy. All right. Tom. Tom Foolery Two on Instagram. That's actually All right. a pretty good name. I, I respect. Thanks. I like puns. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll catch you all next Monday night, same bat time, same bat channel. But until then, be excellent to each other. Peace. Are you a band or artist in need of an hourly rehearsal space? We have what you need. Here at the Sound Museum Soundstage in Brighton, Massachusetts, we have a backline of drums amps, 32-channel PA, and most of the gear you will need to get your show on the road. Our stage lighting and pleasant atmosphere makes for the perfect place for any artist to get creative, and you will love our competitive prices. So call Mary Lee at 617-909-9338 or email us at magicroomrentals at gmail.com. Come rock out with us at the Sound Museum Soundstage in Brighton, Massachusetts. Call 617-909-9338 or email us at magicroomrentals at gmail.com and book your time slot today. Before I became a patient of Temesco Wellness, I'd worry when my cannabis supply was running low. I need cannabis to live pain-free. Temesco Wellness is expanding its network in Massachusetts with a care center in Hudson and two new centers in Framingham and Pittsfield opening soon. Our friendly, professional staff connects with patients to understand their medical conditions and help them choose the cannabis products that provide the most symptom relief. I just called the number on their website and a Temesco Wellness specialist walked me through applying for the Massachusetts Medical Marijuana Program. Once I was approved, I went to the center in Hudson. Not only did they have my favorite strain, they recommended a low-dose edible that's helped with sustained symptom relief. 
Our testing and production facility in Worcester means the quality of the products we cultivate for our Massachusetts patients is controlled and monitored by Temesco Wellness from seed to display. And we apply the same rigorous standards to the third-party retail products we carry. Temesco Wellness took all the stress out of getting the cannabis products I rely on. Visit ma.temescowellness.com to learn more and get connected to the Massachusetts Medical Cannabis Program. Temesco Wellness, quality cannabis for a better quality of life.